The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. The short game. This show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by two excellent co-hosts, Laura Nash and Shane Kelly. And I am so glad to be back talking about IF Comp. Uh, I'm not. I hate it. Just kidding. No, I love it. Yeah, we. <laughs> uh, this is episode two of our coverage of IF Comp 2022, uh, and uh, this has been uh, apologies. To our uh, general audience, uh, I have been, you know, on on baby leave, and so I haven't been following the comp as closely as I have typically done. But I did listen to the uh, episode that that Nate and Laura got out at the beginning of the comp, and it was really great, and it reminded me how much I wanted to get back to it. So I was eager to play some things, and so I've uh, I've played a handful of things. I've got a few that I want to talk about, and I know Laura and Shane here do too. And we're probably going to continue covering IF Comp right down to the wire, uh, probably with one additional episode before the end of the comp on November 15th. I cannot let it stand that Nate and Laura basically took all of the shortest games in the comp. Hey, that was Nate! (laughs) I played one short one, and then I, you know, I started a two-hour parser game, so you can't blame me for taking all the short games right Mm -hmm. up front. I hadn't really been looking at length, but I gotta say, I've been running into a lot of long ones this time, which, um, like a lot of the stuff I've been playing or am interested in playing are, you know, not the not the little quick fifteen minute choice based deals. Um, so I'm uh, I wasn't able to get through quite as many as I might typically do in a week. But um, how did you guys fare this week? I feel like there's a lot of meaty games this year. Mm-hmm. I agree. In fact, the one game that I put a ton of time into, this is a rarity for me in the comp. I wound up doing multiple playthroughs just because it was so replayable and interesting. So excited to talk about it. Yeah, I will say one call I want to shout out. If you, um, I'm, I'm looking for my like lighthearted zazzled or like the, the silly game that's got some heft to it, but it's kind of light. I feel like the stuff is a little heavier this year. Uh, if you have a really good light suggestion, uh, let us know. Yeah, where's our wizard sniffer this year? Not exactly. That, not, not that everything has to live up to that. Like, I still think of that it's as maybe pretty my high favorite, standard. My favorite game I've ever played in IF Comp, but one of but, the highest uh, rated like, ever in the comp, yeah, I think. Oh, mm-hmm. Adored uh, masterpiece, but like I mean, like things with that fun. I agree, Laura. I, I, mostly the things that I've been playing so far have been a little more on the serious side. And we uh, do like bad. those That's one of the things. Yeah, we do. And that is one of the things that um, that interactive fiction does so well. You know, you can you can do those more serious narratives but like i don't know yeah i'd like some jokey jokes too uh where's my uh where's my game written entirely in limericks this year oh uh, there is a rhyming game in the comp this year oh i don't i haven't spotted that one which one is that it is called low-key learny jokey journey <laughs> Lo- oh low-key learny jokey journey that's right i did scroll past that, I <laughs> that that's a really good title uh well look forward to me checking that one out next week probably um so I know, Shane, you were just mentioning that you'd put a lot of time yes. into at least one game this week that you'd played multiple times. Uh, would you tell us a little bit about Into the Sun? Yeah. Uh, so Into the Sun is a parser-based, um, very classic-styled 
um, game that, I mean, it, it's, there's a lot going on here. It's, it's different from a lot of like past parser games that I've seen before. I'll just give you the basic setup. Um, uh, you know, you're sitting, it says sitting on the cold side of Mercury, you've waited two months for space debris to drift through the system caught in the sun's gravity. Well, satellites make for great salvage. And you've earned enough before to scrap by, keeping the Kratos flying. But this time, nothing so far. The radar is barren. You're running low on fuel, and repairs will be costly after being out here so long. Now, uh, something does drift by. And I don't know if I want to consider this a... It's hard to uh, discuss this game without talking too much about the fact that it is very, very much... Uh, what I would consider a fan game for the movie Alien. This hmm. is essentially the a cross between um, the movie Alien and Supermarket Sweeps. Do you guys remember Supermarket? I Sweeps? was obsessed with Supermarket yeah. Sweep. So Supermarket Sweep is the is the is the game where someone is set loose in a supermarket to basically run around and grab as much valuable stuff as they can. I don't remember uh, watching a lot of Supermarket Sweep, but I remember vividly watching some... Oh, what was it called? Uh, it was like was a it Nickelodeon. Shop to you drop? Oh, no. Maybe. It was like on You're... Nickelodeon, and it was basically that, but it was a kid in a toy store, and I was like, go for the video games! Go for the video games! They had a minute, and it was one kid. Yeah. The yeah. Toys R Us Sweep. Yeah, Supermarket Sweep was the one where you answered a bunch of questions about, like, the price of beans, and then <laughs> uh, depending on how well you did on your trivia about the grocery store, you got uh, more time to go on a big endless shopping cart run where you tried to rack up as much money at the grocery store as humanly possible before yep. time ran out. And I think in Supermarket Sweep, correct me if I'm wrong, the prize was the amount of money and not that you just take home a bunch of turkeys, right? No. <laughs> You don't get 30, like, and you had to limit. You could only get, like, five hams at a time. Um, you I, could I just watched... go, like, load your cart full of, like, 80 pounds of cardamom or something. Yeah, this was when you were a kid, and you didn't realize that, like, capitalism, the TV show, wasn't a thing to watch. But This bag of beans is heavy. It must be expensive. A hundred percent. And 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 the one thing that uh, relatable content, Reagan, is that it, it people who were young parents of young kids would like go to the diaper aisle first and put and they'd be like, ah, yes, those big bags of huggies cost thirty dollars a piece. But they take up so much room. That doesn't seem like good strategy. That it's the risk reward. I guess so. I guess so. Anyway, uh, back to the game, Shane. I can't the diapers being expensive, though. Shane, (laughs) sorry, continue your description of a completely unrelated property. Yes. So in this game, you start off in this sort of um, airlock of this ship. You've you've kind of gone from your ship into this, uh, this derelict ship, and everything is quiet. If you play, if you're clicking in from the IFComp website, one of the things that I absolutely love when games do this is you get a uh, a full map of the game, right? Right off the bat, you can download, and it's uh, very nicely made. It's got uh, it's a it's a nice piece of graphic design. Um, so you open up the map, and uh, you know you're you're trying to figure out well where's the expensive stuff going to be, and pretty pretty soon you notice that something's gone terribly wrong on this ship. Uh, you know, you'll find, I think some of the early items include stuff like a, uh, a cattle prod and, uh, you know, 
obvious signs of death. Uh, I won't get too much into it. Um, and I, uh, so I, you know, the, the map is great and I extremely highly recommend using it, uh, because the, the ship itself is extremely twisty. Uh, Mm. there are multiple levels to like go up and down. Uh, it's not of a clear grid. It's, it's a very tricky space to navigate in a good way. Um, and you know, knowing what the different rooms are and seeing the floor plan is really only a starting point for you because as you explore, you're going to find that, well, while you kind of have a, uh, a diagram of like the ship's floor plan, um, something has been tearing through the ship and a lot of the ways that you might think you could go are blocked off. And, uh, so, and now to compound the challenge here, no, your, your goal is to go through and collect the most, you know, as much expensive stuff as you can. This is basically just get all the items, right? Um, and one of the nice things here is that, um, you can carry as much as you want. There's no like limit to the inventory, I guess maybe because you're in zero G, you know, your backpack weight doesn't really matter. But, um, uh, as you kind of start exploring, uh, you're going to, you know, make your way farther and farther in and you're going to start hearing things and collecting all the junk The the stuff that you start hearing, uh, well, that is the xenomorph. This is straight up the, the Nostromo from the original alien. And uh, so I, are, like in in spirit or in explicit name okay i so you can find info about the ship itself um on these like punch cards and you can put nice. them into nice a touch. computer yeah uh and get details and it does i think i think it used the word xenomorph that might have just been in the like description of the game or something that i read i did not actually see the word the nostromo but the uh it's very clear. It's mm. very clear where you are. Um, and, no shade for me. Like I love that. Honestly, yeah, that's, a, me that's too. a selling point for me. And and as you know, I don't think anybody's suing IF Comp authors right now. So no, and I mean, oh God. I mean, you we know, get fan fiction about Torando, and you get fan fiction about aliens. Love IF Comp. So if it's the Fostromo, that's fine too. Um, the 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 alien when you do find it, that is what really ramps the game up because um on top of collecting all of these items you can basically turn around and go back to your ship at any time and it'll give you your high score and if you can you know collect enough items and that's the challenge in the replayability of the game is that you go back to the ship and it's like okay you got a thousand uh you know mega dollars worth of uh, of loot from from this ship right um the uh the high score that i got was around like 1200 megabucks i am nowhere near what i've seen some people discussing this online i think i have seen a review that said they were over 3000 so there's a lot of stuff that i missed dang um but the 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 that high end run has to be really just like staying just out of the reach of the alien because that thing pursues you and like will eviscerate you like like that. I have I have never had so many uh I'm very used to parser games having this undo command where I'm like, "Well, I fucked that up. I'm going to hit undo." <laughs> mm-hmm. 
We're yeah, going to go. All right. Now. Did I say north? I meant south. Yep. Um, well, that doesn't work that well here because by the time you're close to the uh, the alien, like it's basically going to get you. So you have to have a pretty good sense of where it is. If I have any like criticism of the game, it's that you really do have to be doing a multiple runs in order to um, like really be successful. You are going to have those runs where it's like, okay, uh, yes, it's in the crew quarters. I will just simply avoid the crew quarters. Uh, oh, it went from the crew quarters to, you know, deck B. I will, I will start by avoiding the crew quarters, but then when I can tell it's gone to deck B, then I'll go to the crew quarters. Uh, so, you know, n- understanding a little bit about the game and about the behavior of the enemy is is important. And you only- does it basically walk a set path or is this mm-hmm. something that gets randomized each time? I don't know if I played in enough to be able to tell you an answer to that. I I'm once I once I got killed by it a few times, I mostly just like steered really clear. of it. <laughs> <laughs> um but there, I will say a few a few cool things about that the a- alien is that um, it messes up the environment. Like the environment is not static. The alien will like its acid blood will like melt stuff and um, cool. including like opening um, containers that would otherwise be closed. Like they get melted open and stuff like that. So they cool use touch. it in. Yeah, it's a it, there's some very very cool things that it. Every every run that I did, I was finding like very new stuff, and the ship is pretty big. Like it's, I think three or four, like depending on how you count it, it's like three or four decks and lots of rooms, and um, you know, there's a lot of there's, I mean, there's a lot of items uh, for you to pick up and improvise weapons out of, um, and you know, I, th- I I I I'm not sure. I hope that there is a way to ultimately kill or maybe jettison or something uh the xenomorph which would be super cool i did not get to that point i was too much of a chicken Hmm. um but all the while i didn't mention this there is there's one more element that you're fighting the clock on which is literally there is a clock because the ship is falling into the sun oh naturally Ah, the the titular problem that's cool i mean I just want to watch like a zombie land that's supermarket sweep now. Mm-hmm. Like that's, right. this is really exciting as a concept. I, I love the idea that it's, it's a risk reward testing how close you want to get. And like, this sounds rad. Yeah. Yeah. This is the first game that I played for the comp and it set a really high bar for me. Looks great. Uh, the next one that we were going to talk about, I think uh, Laura and I both played. We normally mm-hmm. try to coordinate a little bit, uh, and so you know we have a we have a list and everything. Um, I just picked this out by scrolling through the list, and something about the description spoke to me, and also the name of the uh, of the author was a bit familiar. Uh, and this one is "The Absence of Miriam Lane" by Abigail Korfman. Uh, so if you remember that name, uh, we've previously played a couple of her games in previous comps. Um, probably the most memorable of which for me was 16 ways to kill a vampire at McDonald's. Um, she also wrote a murder in Fairyland. She has some, um, some commercial IF as well that I'm blanking on the name of it's, it's like open sorcery or something like that. It's a open like sorcery. A, that's mm-hmm. it. Thank you. Um, and, uh, so she's, she's been pretty prolific and, uh, this seemed like a bit of a departure, especially if you're thinking about 16 ways to kill a vampire at McDonald's, the absence of Miriam Lake, 
Um, I'm just going to read the description, which I think is just poetry and was very, very much why I played this game. Um, the, the description on the page says sometime, and this is also text in the game. Sometimes people give pieces of themselves away. Sometimes they give too much and who they are wears thin. They become an absence, a hole in the world and a terrible light shines through. And it is described as an eldritch mystery, um, which is really a like it's it's a really cool concept. I, spooky, yeah, I love right. That. It's very spooky. Without spoiling too much, I think I can describe the sort of central idea of the game, um, which is that uh, you know you are some sort of an investigator, uh, and a man comes to you uh, who says that he's having trouble remembering his wife, and that other people in his life also can't remember her either. She's gone and he's had to remind his children. His children will remember her if he reminds them that she existed, but otherwise they don't remember that she was ever there. Um, and you, the investigator, this is apparently what you do. This is something you've seen before. Um, and so you are going to the house of this missing woman, um, Miriam Lane, although it takes a while to discover her name. I'm surprised they put it in the title because mm -hmm. uh, discovering her name is literally part of one of the puzzles. Um, uh, discover and, and find this person. And the, the way that it describes this person's absence is extremely cool. Uh, so it, it, it has that moment that, that line in the description, a terrible light shines through um, when this person disappeared, uh, they left holes in the world and those holes are places where the light doesn't behave correctly. So the 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 basics of this game, this is a, uh, a choice-based, twine-based game. But it's one of those twine-based games that does that thing where it's very, um, uh, it, it feels kind of like twine almost meeting in the middle with parser, where you are navigating between rooms and using verbs, and you have an inventory. Um, yeah, and this is a very beautifully handled game the there's music there is when you are looking at a person um the husband it's like this it's, it's almost like a a drawing that's gone through a fax machine it's got like it's just black and white sketch just highlights um really lovely pictures of the environment um it feels very caring and uh this is my like ui corner where i i praise things is um at times you'll you know, you acquire thoughts, which are things you can apply to actions. That's where that parser element comes in, I think. It's like when you're on a page in a room and you're looking at a book, say, you can then say acquired thought like this is unnaturally aged. And you can say, I think this book is unnaturally aged. And if you are correct, you get more awareness of surroundings you're taking on the light. Mm. And if you're not um, – it will just give you another piece of text. So there's a lot of puzzle elements that feel very parser, but it's all in this very uh, easy to use twine interface. And it's all, you know, it's color coded. They've got really nice formatting. Um, it's very clear what you can and cannot do, which is not always true with these games. So I really appreciated the care. This felt like a bit of a level up. Um, I enjoyed Murder in Fairyland. It also had a lot of these elements, but I think it was this style felt a lot more atmospheric to me. Um, also, there's a progress bar. <laughs> like, 
There's yeah, something I can't see, and it's a progress bar. Like, that is so enticing. Yeah, specifically, like, there's times in the game where we, you know, you're collecting items and uh, and using them to uh, fill in your understanding about Miriam Lane, or I don't want to spoil it, but sort of, you know, interacting with uh, the voids in the game. Uh, and you do have this kind of, like, uh, element of like deciding which objects are going to improve the situation and clarify things and which ones will worsen the situation. And you might think, ah, I understand I can give her or provide this, you know, this, this portrait that I found, I took off the wall in the hallway. And if you don't have a good understanding of like what that portrait means to the, you know, Miriam Lane, uh, then you might give it to her, uh, and it is counterproductive, and you see that 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 uh, progress bar kind of tick down. Uh, or mm-hmm. if you know if it was something that was very important to her, it might tick up. Um, I was also very appreciative of the fact that it gave you save slots for this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- this has multiple endings, and so um, y- you can have a bad end, and you do get an ending. Um, but I was. You know, I, when I was uh, screwing up, essentially, I was more interested in just sort of trying to get a good ending. And so I would I was save scumming a little bit. And this game totally allows for that. Um, maybe more so than any Twine game I've ever seen. This gives you like 25 plus uh, save slots with manual saves, uh, clear buttons to click to confirm that you want to load or overwrite a save. You can name your saves. It's extremely uh, it's extremely like. Uh, well done in terms of just the mechanics. Uh, even for a very short game like this, it's it's nice to have that 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 sort of level of control. I would suggest if you're risk averse or think you might want to save scum to save before you start showing objects, just like gather a bunch of objects, save, and then play immersively until you die and then go back and just show the good objects. It's not that it, it's it's trivial mm-hmm. to because it's just showing objects and getting reactions. I think there's there's things to learn for good and bad. Yeah. Um, It's a game about empathy. It's a game about like the objects that belong to one person in a shared household, which is, I found really interesting because there's objects that are tied up in her children, objects that are tied up in her husband, items that are tied up in her social life. And there's things that are just for her. And you can sometimes intuit it. And sometimes you need to look around at the environment and be like, Oh no, this feels special. Or you read something on the fridge and go, oh, no, this used to be special, but now it's tied into a chore. So you really need, like, if you don't want to just test every object, you can also, you know, gather a lot of stuff and be really thoughtful with it. I yeah, think- you find something that seems really meaningful to Miriam Lane, and you hand it to her husband, and, she, and he says, I don't know anything about that. Oh, Jackpot. it's heartbreaking. This guy does not know his wife, and it's sad. Mm. But you also can look at things and be like, oh, is this, you know, this book on John Adams, is this hers? <laughs> like, you just show it to him, and he's like, oh, yeah, great man, very insightful. And you're like, don't show this book to her. It has nothing to do with her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she does not care about John Adams. Um, it's It's a tender game. I was surprised by that. I agree. Um, my one complaint about it, and um, this might be a theme for me in the comp this year because I have, uh, uh, I have, you know, I've, 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 my brain is on baby right now, and so I'm not finishing a lot of stuff. Um, I got the bad ending on this one. I wanted to get the good ending, um, but I ended up feeling like get like the the 
and I had a sense of what I needed to do to get the good ending, but maybe not quite specific enough. And it felt a little bit unreasonable. I I knew that there was there was some stuff involved and in like cross referencing information from her gardening journal with other things in the house that I wasn't sure what to what to look for, and then finding flowers and stuff. And anyway, I had a really hard time um, getting the good ending in this game. Um, I want to hear a little bit from you about like like how much work did you have to put into once you kind of grokked the situation, how much work did you have to put in to get the good ending? Not that much. I think um, a few things I had played with um, spoilers, if jump ahead a couple minutes to the next chapter, if you don't want to hear any spoilers in this, but um, there's a gardening book with flowers and by her bed, like she mentions in a couple places, she mentioned a chrysanthemum that she was interested in. It's on her bedside table. And then in the like a gardening book elsewhere, she has a handwritten note about how she recited poetry to the poppies. So you can mm-hmm. kind of give a flower that has meaning um, by looking at by picking that flower from the flower bed and giving it to her. That's the only puzzle I could say was there. I got I, that. Was that the only thing? I I thought I had that. Was that the only thing that you needed to do in order to like? There were a couple other things. There were some hidden objects. So uh-huh. um, if you picked up the dress pattern, which you shouldn't give to her because it's it's a chore. Right. Um, underneath is a drawing of a bird. Oh, um, I didn't get if that. If you sort through the dress, um, the pile of fabric, there's actually a negative thing in there. Um, again, spoiler for folks who haven't played, but like there's a like a half empty bottle of laxatives. I found that, yeah. Um, so like there's there's things you get by like picking up and playing with objects. You can pick up um the the music on the shelf and like it's classical music or a musical. So you and if you show the musical to the husband, he of course thinks it's silly and stupid, so you know it's hers. Uh, there's a lot of little things like that. So picking up things, um, a thing I didn't know until later was that you can show things to the husband, which I found really helpful. Um, but the most important thing I think is at some point you've given enough things that she becomes present. Did you ever get to that point? No, see that's what I missed out on because I, I got the bad ending and I was, you know, getting close enough to the recording time where and I wanted to try some other games that I just yeah. said, okay, well I've got the bad ending. Maybe I'll go back to this later. That felt really meaningful. So you get um she becomes present and it's almost like one of those seance pictures of the floating woman where her eyes are closed and she's very white and ghostly. Um and you you pick tell her story. Um, mm-hmm. And once you click that, it's it's using the twine mechanic where you replace the text. You keep clicking on it, and it cycles through the mm-hmm. carousel. And okay. you are basically taking a little. You're trying to tell a story, and you might, you know, click on the name. Like, is it the husband's name, Arthur or Anthony, or? Um, and you're just cycling through to get the answers right based on what you've picked on. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you get a certain percentage, and some of it's motivation, like she no longer feels joy in baking because it's a chore. Like so you're filling out a combination of feelings and guessing and what you actually get into it in the house. You come up with a story. They said there's multiple good answers. Um, I got a version that said you didn't get it a hundred percent right, but you got it like enough was true that it, mm-hmm. that you passed and she came back to life and had a very dramatic ending. But to me, it felt very speaker of, for the dead, the, Hmm. Um, or I know Orson Scott card is um, problematic, but Steeper for the Dead is very meaningful to me, and it's, it's a book an where you're. Book. Yeah. It's an amazing book, so it lives. Who are authors anymore? I say during IF comp, um, but 
it, it felt very about, speaker for the dead e i really like um that we we're seeing this sounds like a game that has um you know although it is a twine game it has a significant amount of like um exploration and puzzle while, while mm-hmm. simultaneously also being um poetic in the way that so many twine games often are like this seems like the kind of game that will do very well in the comp i'm intrigued to play it i hope it does yeah agreed i think it's very they've got a lot of great ideas Mm -hmm. yeah and some really killer lines yeah just yes i know you took a couple of screenshots here laura do you want to share anything uh sure i think um one of the earliest things, um, the the three acquired thoughts, the three things you get apply to things, I found fairly poetic, which are light and shadow is acting strangely. Uh, another one is this is unnaturally aged or faded. And then there's something here that I cannot see. Um, yeah, I, those are the things that you're looking for as you're exploring the house, which I like the, the idea that this is like an eldritch mystery is interesting. Like that, you know, you're encountering like, like holes in reality uh, left by I, I love, I love the sort of very, very poetic idea of like um, that when somebody gives away too much of who they are, they become the, these holes. Yeah. Sometimes they give a, too much and who they are wears thin. And this is literally right. about a woman who loses herself because she's given too much of herself away. Yeah. Which is, uh, and, and specifically, like a wife and mother and like Mm -hmm. that's that's a you know that's a resonant theme and And the game is giving her back you're literally giving her back to herself Mm -hmm. by objects that are only hers which is a really lovely poetic concept yeah but it's also creepy because yeah it's these like weird creepy unearthly places where the light doesn't shine in the right direction or or it's too bright, or it's too dark, or other weird stuff is happening. Like that, it's a it's a cool intersection of this like very poetic idea and this very like I wouldn't quite say like horror y idea, but like this it's um it's it's a really interesting intersection. And that was what that was what kept me going with it was like I I, um, I initially thought well this seems like it's going to be just uh just poetry right, and then I realized it's very um. Uh, sort of like an actualized metaphor, right? It's very, it's, it's, it's interesting. So I, I liked like the way this was presented quite a bit. Really um, seems like it functions like a mystery, but while also being very, you know, abstract, that seems very, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, so anyway, I, I, I quite, I give this one um, a strong recommendation, even though, like I said, I only got the bad ending. I, I need to go back and put a little more time in. Um, but fortunately I'm quite, I'm quite confident that my game was saved. Uh, like again, they did a great job here uh, with the saving, which is something that I often uh, find annoying with uh, web-based stuff. So anyway, very good. Uh, Laura, I think you had the next game on our list here. Yeah, I played a game called Admiration Point by Rachel Helps. Um, and this is a game that's described as uh, you work at a virtual exhibit artist at a digital cultural museum. There is a glimmer of attraction to your coworker. You are married in Mormon. And then it's called an anti-romance. <laughs> so uh, this was getting some interesting reviews. Um, and I, when I started, it, it puts you right in to your work designing one of the digital VR exhibits. Uh, the idea is that you are a 3D artist. You are um, putting on shows in virtual reality. Um, the first one that you're doing is you have... Um, 
you're working in a restaurant gallery and there's a bunch of plates that are on the wall and the people can take them down and break them. And then you have to hit the cleanup button. So they go back on the shelf. So next people can break the virtual plates. And then they're based off of a TikTok artist. And then you find out that it's, you know, 2070 or so in the future, it's not quite defined, but this is um, basically a digital cultural museum looking back at today and near future exhibits and trying to capture social media, memes, et cetera, as performance art for people in the future to understand the world. And that's not even the point of the game. That's just your job in the game. Um, that's just like a really, really interesting uh, like setting or whatever you want to call that. That's yeah. like, thinking about how history and art will reflect the present at a distance is very interesting to me. Yeah, but the the game at its heart is about like your bosses, you have a supervisor and then you have the exhibition curator who you're working with who's like the guest artist and you kind of develop a crush on Sean. Like and it's unclear to you if this is a sexual attraction, if it is a professional crush, if it's envy because Sean has a better career than you and you think you like it is better at doing things than you are. And you're like, I could have had Sean's job. You know, Sean worked at a cool game company. You wanted to work out in the past and you read his book and his thesis and are like, oh man, these ideas are cool. Um, the counters on the side are tracking your obsession with Sean, how Sean feels about you and um, what you've decided to do with your feelings. Like, are you going to use your feelings? Are you going to ignore your feelings? Are you going to act on your feelings? You can't have a romance in this game, but you can do various things. Um, and what I actually really enjoyed is those are all just icons and they're kind of obscure. Obsession is a little circle that gets drawn into a spiral <laughs> as you do more and more things. Um, all with this backdrop of like, building game arcades for um, to demonstrate like TikTok video um, interactive art. Like, like you're doing all of this work stuff and then you're trying to decide how you're spending your work day while Sean is around. Do you sit at his table? Do you sit nearby? Do you ask questions about him? Um, it, a lot of times when I play games that are about romance, that is the only thing the game is about. And it was very cool that the job was just as important in this game as the romance. And maybe that's just the way I played it because I got ending four. I got the fourth ending out of five, which was avoidance. So maybe mm. I just was into the job <laughs> <laughs> you more than Sean. Um, there is no smooching ending. Um, th that was in the credits. Um, it's an anti-romance. But Understood. you can choose to get obsessed with Sean if you want to. And I guess I just kept being like, keep reading the book about memes and culture. I want to keep reading this, <laughs> this like fake academia about um, what happens in the future. I want to hear about how MGM was formerly the state of Nevada. Like that's the stuff I'm in this game for. Um, I think both are valid probably. So I would be really interested in if folks wanted to take more of the, the, you know, I, for example, after a party, like they're like, you're really tired after a day of working and you can go out to dinner with their coworkers or go home. And I was like, I'm going to go home and go to sleep. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's probably cool stuff. 
but um, I went home and had sex with my husband. So go me. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I think it's a really, it's at an hour and a half. I believe that's probably if you're playing like for multiple endings or I chose a lot of limiting paths. I don't know which one is true. Hmm. Um, and I'm a little surprised. I don't know which one is true. Normally I have a better sense of it, but it, it felt like there were a lot of options, a lot of text to read. I, I do also know I'm faster at reading academic, like false academia than most. Cause I read a lot of that kind of, I'm literally reading a like 600 page book called administrative burden for work right now. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> RIP Laura. Um, yeah. Uh, it's very good for my job. I, I'm just saying like it might be an hour and a half or it might be closer to 45 minutes if that's your bread and butter reading material. Hmm. Um, little piece about how you first noticed Sean that I really enjoyed. Um, and it has that blend of near future stuff. In the break room, you snack on food that was traditional in physical exhibit openings, or so they say, a fruit tray, cheese, and some synthetic meats. There's a box of wine, too. Sean is there, along with his department chair, the marketing person, and one of the digitization crew. You notice Sean's lovely gray and curly hair and his well-fitting pants, and idly wonder if he was hired to be a pretty face for the museum. You realize he is the same height as your husband. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I know. But like very neutral, right? Like yeah. it, it's a it, it takes a very like you notice him, but it's plausible deniability. Yeah, which I found really interesting. Totally, like this whole idea of an anti romance is very interesting to me because like I I like a romance. I love a romance. I even like an office romance. I even like a like a forbidden romance. Mm. I like them all. Um, but this idea of like a, an anti romance of like. This is a story about potentially wanting a romance and then no. Like, I don't know. You denying it, circumstances denying it, the job denying it, Sean denying it. I think it is, it is, there's no happily ever after. That's it feels not like the going in with game. that knowledge that there's no happily ever after, like, like it serves it probably, but it also puts a little bit of a damper on it if you're the, if you're the, the, the romance craver. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. I've also never, played or uh i've never played a piece of if that was specifically dealing with a, like a particular branch of christianity mm -hmm. like this one seems to be i just wonder how that was portrayed and i mean i just clicked through to the author's uh uh twitter bio and i see that she's a wikipedian in residence at the byu library so i'm guessing mm -hmm. mormonism is a big part of her life wow how is that treated in the in the game tell me about that part uh so i I didn't see as much explicitly about Mormonism, although it is covered. I think there's a lot of discussion about like hesitancy towards having a second child is a really interesting concept mm. of like not enjoying pregnancy, like the idea mm. of motherhood. They talk about the um, there's a throwback mention of the Handmaid's Tale and like makeup and femininity. So I think there's a lot of Mormon influences, a lot of things about like family life and culture. Um, uh, there, the religious aspects are not part of it, but I could tell that it's written from a very specific cultural point of view, just as you could say something from a, um, secular Jew is written from a Jewish point of view. I, it felt like almost like secular Mormonism and there might've been religious content that I missed, but it felt like Mormon point of view, but not 
they never go to a church in the game that mm. I played at least. Well, that's pretty interesting. I, I'm, I'm curious to hear more about it um, or to play it myself once I have a little bit more time. And at the end, there's actually a section on like more Mormon uh, gaming uh, authors is, is in the credits, which I found really intriguing. Hmm. Well, well, there's no good segue between that and the next game that I there played. never Simply is an Comp. it's just Simply a grab none. bag next yeah. chapter <laughs> um, I, if i were smart i would have put this after shane's game at the top because it is also a space. sort of arcadey space game um and so the uh, i put a fair amount of time into star tripper uh which is so i, I came across this game this is Sam, star tripper by sam ursu um which is one of only two choice script games in the comp this year. Um, I picked it specifically because of that. Uh, I, I was thinking about like, well, what would I like to play? And I always really enjoy games written in choice script. It's the sort of um, uh, sort of uh, open version of the choice of games, uh, you know, developed engine or whatever you want to call it, the games writing tool. Um, what I really like about choice uh choice script games is that they typically will provide you like a, a page of text and you're making a choice at the end of every single page um which i quite like i like that it, you know it keeps you involved even if not all of those choices are meaningful it keeps you engaged by constantly giving you something to choose um and it's also very flexible and it's really uh designed around a lot of a lot of choice script games do a lot of behind the scene scenes like statistics or modeling of of things so um but I didn't really know much about what this game was going to be about until I got into it. In fact, when I started it up, I thought it was the same game Shane had been talking about because this game was here. Let me pull up the description again. Um, uh, the, the, the little slug below the title is a text arcade game. And Shane had been talking about how he had played a game about in the discord. He was talking about, it was obviously talking about into the sun, but he'd been talking about playing a game about, uh, you know, doing supermarket sweep on a on a spaceship or something like that. And I thought, surely a text arcade game, Star Tripper, this must be that same game. Um, but it it is not. It is an entirely different game. And one would easily make make a confusion there. There's also another game called what was it? Towards the Sun instead of Into the Sun. What was the mm. other one? Chase the Sun. Chase. No, that's that's that old PlayStation game. Yeah, but Chase the Sun is also in the comp. Yes, Chase the Sun is also in the comp. Which is oh, okay. <laughs> There's Into the Sun and Chase the Sun are both games this okay. year. Control F Sun. Uh five no, seven Into the Sun, Chase the Sun. I don't I don't see any other uh Sun titles. Um, but definitely definitely two very similarly named. Yes. But yeah, um Star Tripper is uh and the, the other thing I thought was it, kind of funny about Star Tripper before I get into the content of the game, I feel like it does require some description because the the uh, the description on the comp page is exceptionally uh, n n non non specific uh, for folks who are not specifically familiar with a with a particular Palm Pilot game. The, the description <laughs> on the uh, on the the comp page just says inspired by the Palm Pilot game Space Trader. Note to experienced IF players, if you try lawn mowering this game, lawn mowering is in quotations. I assume that's a thing, but I don't know that phrase in this context. If you try lawn mowering this game, you're not going to have any fun and you won't find everything uh, in two hours anyway. Just relax and enjoy your time in this world. Thanks. And then it gives you some warning about um, 
the consumption of alcohol being present in this game, which fine, great. I love, I'm doing it right now. Get lawnmower. Use lawnmower on grass. First of all, I did have a Palm Pilot, uh, <laughs> but I don't think I ever played a Space Trader on it. Um, but I, given that it's described as an arcade game and then is referencing back to a Palm Pilot game, I was expecting this to basically be a Space Trader game. Uh, you know, maybe like a lemonade stand in space or something like that. And it is kind of that, but it's much more narrative than I was expecting, uh, given its very sparse description that includes no, no details of the plot. So the game starts with asking you some questions. It asks to choose who do you feel closer to, a brother or a sister? And so, of course, I chose a brother. And then it asks you to, in relation to your brother, would you consider yourself their brother, sister, or it gives you a like non-gender specific sib option. Mm-hmm. And then it asks you for your brother's name. So, of course, my brother's name was Shane. And then uh, Hello. It, it, it weaves that into the story. And it gives, this game, um, for a game that's basically like Space Trader via text, um, it has an extremely long intro sequence where it sets up the world of the game, who you are playing as, um, can, you know, a sort of conspiracy theory. Uh, so the 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 overall world isn't like anything great shakes by science fiction standards, but it's kind of interesting. You are one of a member, uh, you're a member of a sort of central powerful family in a galaxy-wide civilization, um, but your family has been double-crossed by some sort of syndicate of other families um, that have, you know, that are challenging your family's power. And, uh, you get a coded letter from your brother who's been kidnapped by the syndicate and is smuggling a message out to you. Um, and he's, uh, told you that you can rescue him, but you have to cast aside all of the wealth and privilege that you've had. Uh, because of course they'll be monitoring your money and your ships. You have to start from scratch with something untraceable. So, um, it, uh, he introduces you to a, uh, to an old contact of his, um, who's now living rough in a distant sector of the galaxy and has an untraceable, uh, crappy spaceship that you can get for free in order to come rescue him. But in order to come rescue him, you're going to need a lot of money to buy some kind of special golden key to access the right sector of space to be able to go in and rescue him and so the the majority of the game seems to be um uh, making enough money via space trading simulation uh in order to upgrade your ship uh and uh and have enough money to like buy what you need to go and rescue your brother and take down the conspiracy that is imprisoning him um which is a pretty cool setup if you're, you know, if you're going, I'm reminded a little bit of, uh, of like one of my favorite IF games of all time, Superluminal Vagrant Twin, which is also a game about space trading in a text-based mode, uh, trying to rescue your sibling, in this case, your twin, Shane. Hmm. Um, so I was having like serious flashbacks of Superluminal Vagrant Twin, another excellent game and, and uh, Zizzy Award winner from a few years ago. Um, but this was doing it in uh, choice script, of course, instead of in the parser angle of things. Um, 
and really, I didn't play. I, sorry? sorry to interject, but I'm struggling to like figure out where the arcade element is when when it was described as a text arcade game. That's a really good question. I don't really think of this as being arcadey in the slightest. So I'm wondering what what arcade means to Sam or Sue, cool, yeah, as opposed to. So for me, like um, like a you know uh, lemonade standy, uh, you know uh, go to or that lemonade stand is the wrong is a wrong version of of this, but you know the sort of like space trading. Um, what's that game that uh that has the very polygonal graphics and you just fly uh, for elite. Elite, yeah, I'm thinking maybe Elite, or um, I always go back to Escape Velocity uh, mm-hmm. for these sorts of things. Uh, you know, a, a game about you start in a terrible little tiny spaceship and go from planet to planet trying to exploit very, you know, the the economy. Is this is this really another another chance for me to talk about No Man's Sky, my favorite? Shut <laughs> up, Shane! Stop! Stop it! No, I'm spraying water on your face. Um, but but it's uh, like I said, like. I spent quite a long time just getting to the space trading action of this game. Hmm. Um, I'd say, I mean, I'm reading slow these days. I played this across a few sessions because, you know, baby and, and everything else. Um, And just not, this is the kind of game that I think I would have, I would, I would devour in a tab while working. But given that my current life is that like, I had to specifically dedicate time to sit down with it. Um, This is listed as two plus hours and I think it's definitely one of the longer things you'll probably play in the comp. This is probably intended to be something that you explore over, uh, you know, a long period of time. Um, within the sort of comp judging time, you can easily play through its intro sequence and get a sense of the world and maybe do a little bit of brief trading. Um, but I didn't get enough of the trading angle to really get a sense of how much I liked that part of the game. All I can say is that this is a space trading game that goes above and beyond with its story, at least in the introduction. And that's very interesting to me. Um, So I'm interested to play more of this. Uh, I think it's well implemented. Um, But like I said, like I didn't, I didn't have enough time to spend enough time with it to get enough of a sense of the space trading angle to say whether it has legs to take me through what's clearly a pretty long experience. Um, Again, it's it's a it's a choice. It's a it's a web based game that's done a great job with saves. That's important in a game like this because it's going to be pretty long. Uh, I never had any issues with it remembering my saves. It has multiple save slots, all of that sort of thing. So um, you know, high marks there. Um, it has sound. The sound was not vital to the experience, but cute, and you could turn it on and off. Uh, it has a nice statistics uh, view where you can see things like you know, your, obviously the, the statistics of your current ship and other information like that. Um, it even has achievements. It has little pop-up like Chivos, which is something mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen in an IF comp game. No, uh, it has an achievement screen where you can see a list of all of the, it, it doesn't have any hidden achievements that I'm aware of. It just gives you a list of all of them. There are things like, I don't know. I'm just at a, at a glance, um, sellers badge, sell something. One of the planetary markets, three points rescue underway, complete the quest to rescue your sibling, five points, um, you know, Red Baron, defeat another ship in battle, 15 points, that kind of thing. I've seen a point system, but I've never seen them framed quite like that in achievements. Yeah, and they literally like have little pop-ups kind of like, you know, like you're on Xbox or whatever. So I, I, I like that about it. I think it's really cool. So I think if, the, if, you're, if you're interested in having a sort of space trading game, you know, up in a tab, 
tab away from it when your boss walks by or whatever. That This is a really good one of those that goes a little... F- well, this is, as far as I can tell so far, a good one of those that goes really the extra mile with its narrative, uh, you know, and has dialogue. When you go to the bar and and drink with the guy who's going to tell you that the that the jade cubes are worth more on Ganymede or whatever, um, like he has dialogue as opposed to just being a menu click, which is nice. Um, so I, I think this is pretty interesting as a, as an approach to this, even though obviously the like space trader genre is pretty crowded. There's a lot of these, um, you know, if you want one of these, that is, that is more IFE, this is pretty cool. And again, I love choice script games and there were only two in the comp this year. So, Hey, so, um, there you go. Uh, so I would recommend people check it out. That's again is Star Tripper by Sam Ursu. Awesome. And next up, I think we got Shane, right? Yes. Now this one is. Uh, I always I'm kind of on the lookout for kind of the more uh, weird, especially weird and very short games uh, mm-hmm. for the comp. Uh, so the one I am wanting to talk to you about is called To Persist Slash Exist Slash Endure. Press one. Uh, by Anthony O. So this is a um, pretty interesting kind of experiment in in IF um, that is very, very hard for me to categorize. Uh, it was particularly interesting for me because I love a game that's 15 minutes. Uh, those little like snack-sized games um, that are, you know, especially when they, they have tags like experimental like "Mm, yes give me this more please um and i I would say that this so first off this is a um it's a phone tree as a game uh Hmm. kind of imagine being trapped in a surreal phone tree where you know you are being asked to you, you basically uh are exploring and navigating by like pressing one, pressing five. Um, that's the idea. It's hard for me to talk that much about the game without like really uh, giving a bunch of quotes from it or, or spoiling bits of it. Uh, but one thing I can say is this is, this feels very experimental from someone who has done a lot of experiments The the creator of this Anthony O has done, uh, you know, multiple games for past comps uh, and, uh, this one is pretty, uh, it's pretty out there. I, I, I would say like, if I have a criticism of the game, it's that it doesn't really feel like it fully explored what it could do. Uh, you know, I messed around with it a few times, you know, you can make your way through the game in 15 minutes, but you're really going to have to play it a few times to get a good sense of the, of the humor. Uh, it's, it's both, it's trying to do a few different things. It's trying to be funny, but also kind of nihilistically like dark humor. Um, it is fun and the de- like the descriptions and the writing is good, but I didn't come away with it feeling like I had like done anything or been challenged. It's not that kind of game. Um, so it's one of those things where like, you know, it's, it felt like going into a, a, a strange museum exhibit and, and kind of wandering around for a bit. Um, it uses uh, a piece of IF tech called Texture, which I don't know if you've run into anything using this before. It's the kind of IF where you drag and drop things onto each other. 
Um, and Noseblade, so, which we covered last time, has a similar mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. The drag and drop uh, element. Uh, that's one thing where I feel like they didn't really exploit it that well. Like the, mm. the things that you're dragging and dropping, um, it's really basically you're just hitting from a from a list of like a menu of options right because it it is explicitly like a phone tree like choose a button you know zero through nine yeah um and you know and and with occasionally the option to do things like hang up or throw the phone uh but really all of your interaction is dealing with the phone menu system and there are a lot of options uh some of them are pretty off the wall like uh you know you know press press two to hear a list of all our departments press three for polish and you know you press three and now the whole game is in polish Uh, (laughs) and you know it it definitely uh it definitely is like a quick kentucky route zero try something very similar to this at some point they did yes yeah it actually did remind me of that i I, it's funny um it's 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 very similar in in the in the vibes to that uh there are a lot of options in the game uh but overall like it is specifically about uh, it's a game about trying to recreate the uh like the futility of trying to find a human being on the other end of a phone tree and uh you know that's i i i i have not <laughs> I, I, I have, I'm not seeking that experience out <laughs> in uh, in most uh, things. When it when it has come up in games, like you mentioned in in Kentucky Route Zero or here, uh, it is a fun uh, a fun play on choice in games. Like what is what is choice when it's it's really just a choice between um, a, a series of useless, pointless options. So I, I enjoyed my time with this game. Uh, I, I don't know where I'm going to rank it uh, finally in the comp, but uh, the writing was enjoyable. Something I have to bring up, even though it's not an eye of comp, is uh, Shinyan Core, who did Amending, the the game, the solo game that was embroidery-based. I don't know if you heard about this. Um, no. She is an experimental, like, game designer where she tries to think about like what's long-term, like, memento. How can you play a game and also have, like, a long-term object that you create by the end of it oh i think i do remember hearing about that but i don't know much about it go ahead sorry of all things that they decided to do uh they did uh a phone hotline that they described as an existential horror phone sex hotline three to five minutes (laughs) each call called the bureau of telephone fornication it is not a sexy phone line there is nothing sexy behind this phone number um, I think it's still live. I just pulled it up. I'm not going to call it now for obvious reasons. I'm recording a podcast. But if you call <laughs> 760-993-5828, you're going to get a bunch of very unsexy um, existential horror answers to your your phone tree. Um, it, it's absolutely wild that this is a real life thing. Um, at some point... I think there's a MIDI Hallelujah plays. Um, one of the dominatrixes makes you pick which wood and then gives you like a long speech on the history of maple. I played it like twice. And I was like, this person's brain is broken. And so if if this game is anything like that, um, just want to shout out for a little free experiment um, related to nothing. Gotta love it. Happy Halloween, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you've reminded me of one of my my favorite 
um, prompts in the game. And there's lots of endings, if you want to call them endings. It's just times where you hang up, mostly. Um, uh, there's, a, there's a point in the game where uh, the drag and drop interaction is uh, one of the words you can drag up is break and you can either drop it onto uh, break the phone or break down and if you break <laughs> down uh, you know you you don't know how it happens there's tears streaming down your your cheeks there's a tightness in your throat and the uh, the message that had been saying like we're sorry we weren't able to record your voicemail instead says we're sorry we're sorry <laughs> we're sorry I love it. Yeah. We're sorry. Pretty uh experimental. I like yeah. it. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a fun one for uh I I, I like if you're going to go this weird and and this uh it, it just literally feels like someone is you know messing around with these tools and you know set maybe sat maybe even sat down to create something without like a full a full picture in mind it's just felt felt very much like a uh uh like a like an experiment like something that they they uh put together just to see what would come out of it and uh you know it's, it's kind of fun to experiment with as a as a player as well it's absolutely wild that the next game that we're going to talk about is like probably a 10 plus hour game <laughs> Uh, should I get into it? You got anything else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hear about this one. Yeah. So um, I played, it did not complete for obvious reasons, the only possible prom dress, Return to Stuff Town, parentheses, an interactive shopping emergency by Jim Zakin. (laughs) So good titles this year. Very good title. Um, This apparently is a sequel to a, I, comp or just interactive fiction game from 1999 called not just an ordinary ballerina about like your kid samantha the first one was you broke into this mall to get uh the sugar toes ballerina toy um and you've been banned from stuff town ever since um but now uh samantha's 17 her prom dress has ink spilled on it and the only place in town that has a copy of that prom dress is the only possible prom dress for her is in stuff town. Um, we are not only banned from stuff town, but there is a lacrosse parade happening. And so everybody in town has gone to the parade. So the whole mall is empty pretty much. So you're trying to break into an abandoned mall, um, to get the prom dress. Um, things you should know about this mall it is three stories tall. Every single shop seems to have a puzzle in it. Um, to when I'm trying oh to get God. a sense of the scale. <laughs> um, so I looked at the um, the reviews in uh, uh, glowing five. There's only two reviews right now in or one two ratings rather in IFDB, uh, and both are five stars. But there's two because it's so big. And Mathbrush said. I've played two hours getting 20 out of 250 points and unlocking much of the map. Oh my God. 20 points and 250. And it's the kind of thing was as you keep playing, the maximum number of points jumps up. Oh no. So like, who knows if it's out of 250 or if it's going to suddenly jump up to 500. Like who knows how big this game is. Um, I certainly don't because I only played for a couple hours, but, um, also most of the map is open 
at the beginning, but you can't get into anything. So you could wander around the mall lost and just every door is locked. But I will say that um, the I was overwhelmed and took a break <laughs> because I got overwhelmed by the map. But I cannot think of a more helpful system than they've got. You can download a zip with multiple maps of every floor and like a bird's eye view of the thing. Um, there is That's a really walkthrough. Nice. Uh, quality of life stuff. The directions you can go in are always at the top of the screen. And the places you haven't been are in – like if you haven't gone south, south will be green. So you know at any time which directions you've tried. Um, lots of little things to make it easier on you. Um, I used those maps pretty quickly. Um, I had a little bit of trouble sometimes trying to use, um, like, to get quickly from one place to another. But I think I probably would have found the right, like, shortcuts to do that. And I wasn't worried. Um, one thing that I really did find exquisitely helpful is you when you ask for instructions you get like four pages of like how every single instruction of the game works and how like it is made for like crunchy parser folks i'm i'm actually shocked this is an i have comp and not parser comp um i'm glad because i wouldn't have played it otherwise but i was really surprised because it it feels they call it a parser based puzzle fest in the classic mode packed with chatty characters and unlikely perplexities. I've encountered octopuses, like a hairdresser who wanted to go smoking and just followed you around. Um, I've been, you know, there was a homeless man who saw pixies. I, I feel like I've seen maybe 5% of this game. And I played it for longer than all the other games combined. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I mean, it sounds it's really good, compelling. But it's just like, I have no idea how to rate this. It's so big. Right? Like, when it's two hours and you're maybe a tenth of the way through, like, I have no idea how to rate, rate something like that. So it, it's an interesting problem. I feel like not enough people are going to play this because it's so big. And people like a little bite-sized snack. We just talked about the glory of a 15-minute game. Yeah. Um, like this is one that I feel like I don't want to eat the whole sandwich right now. Like I've got like a double, I've got like a full foot long sub and I'm eating maybe like two inches of it <laughs> and then I'm full, but I'm going to keep on eating that sub because it's, it's really well made and I can tell like I'm in good hands. I just need to do it slow. I really appreciate a, a really polished uh, parser game. And I really love when they give you like even digital feelies, like, you know, here's maps, mm -hmm. here's a, you know, PDF of something to do with the background of the game, that kind of thing. I love that stuff. And it doesn't feel repetitive. Like I've had conversational problems. There's been codes. There's been like physical things. Like all the puzzles feel different. I just have no idea how many of them there are. <laughs> That's really impressive. That's very, very impressive. Yeah. Well, speaking of puzzles, the next one on our list is I I couldn't we couldn't do IF Comp without playing an Arthur DeBianca game. And by some weird quirk, I seem to have been deputized as the person who plays the Arthur DeBianca games, despite being the least suitable Arthur DeBianca player. <laughs> in the entire podcast. I feel like every year you play them, give this review, and then 
three weeks later, I play it and give a different review. <laughs> yeah, which honestly, Laura, I was kind of hoping that you would play <laughs> The Trouble in Sector 471. I was uh, so too busy wandering to. the mall. Like, that was yeah. the problem. I chose too big of a parser. So Arthur DeBianca is my nemesis. Um, actually, last year, his game, uh, what was it called? Um, Grandma Bethlinda's Remarkable Egg, I think, mm-hmm. um, was wonderful. Um, I, I thought it was great. Uh, Arthur, Arthur DeBianca has a, uh, has a long history of making um, basically very puzzly, whimsical, limited parser puzzle games. So almost all of his games, at least all the ones I've played, give you very limited parser tools. They don't don't usually have you doing the sort of very basic, you know, go north, get lamp kind of, um, you know, item or inventory puzzles or anything like that. He typically thinks up something clever and gives you a limited number of commands to use, which is both good and bad. Good in that, like, I like the approachability of a parser game that limits your options. Um, and limited parser games have become, I think, you know, a, a big part of the comp over the last actually many years at this point, it's probably not even novel, but they're, they're something that like, I really like to see. Um, and uh, he also has a real talent for whimsy. You know, you look, look looking back at things like the grandma Bethlinda games, they are just, just, um, you know, grab bags of weird things that can happen when you type weird things in. And they're lovely. They're really great. Um, you know, contrast that with games like The Wand, which I still have nightmares about. It's basically <laughs> a five-dimensional, um, like, Rubik's Cube that you have to uh, solve while doing maths in your head. The Wand is great. <laughs> But like, I do think Sage uh, Sage uh, Sanctorum Scramble is more. Um, there's a lot less math involved. I just I, I was overwhelmed by the wand pretty much immediately. Um, but anyway, uh, but like I, even the games of his that I that like I've, I've been fully overwhelmed by, like the wand. I wanted to like it. It's really it's really well presented and and like the the whimsy carries you pretty far. Um, Trouble in Sector 471 is another game by Arthur DiBianca. It's a bit of a different vibe. Uh, most of the games of his that I've played before have either the sort of like, um, I don't know, magical or or off the wall, you know, nonsense kind of theming to them. This one is a you're a, you are a robot and your limited parser is because you have limited robot functionality and you're an exterminator robot. Um, it's a pretty terse game. It doesn't give you a lot of backstory on what's going on in the world of the game. By the way, again, this is a game that I have not completed because uh, partially for time considerations and also because I sort of waved the white flag at some point, mostly because I just I just don't have a puzzle brain right now. So apologies again, probably to Arthur DiBianca. I always enjoy and hate your games. Um, the uh, This one... Uh, you know, you you play this exterminator robot, um, and you are tasked with exploring a you know a sector four seventy one, I guess, um, a sort of an eight by eight grid uh, of rooms, uh, which is nice. I love a very clear navigation, you know, and uh, and you're trying to exterminate all the bugs, literal bugs, uh, in this space. And there's a lot of other robots in the space doing their various jobs, and you have very limited 
uh, type-ins available. So you can type things like com, which I assume means communicate and does various communicate things. You zap, you have, you have a, you have an exterminator zapper that you can use to zap bugs um, among other things. And as you play through, you accumulate other um, parser commands as well as you kind of upgrade your robot or expand its functionality, um, which is great. I like that very, very much. And, um, and most of the puzzles were very clever. And also, uh, he did a great job of providing a, uh, a like a hints file. Uh, he doesn't give you just a straight walkthrough, uh, but I always appreciate with these puzzly games when they provide you something. Um, he just has a whole list of questions of things that you may have trouble with, and he wrote thirteen encoded all of the answers, so you can you know just get the answers that you want and not overdo it with your you know with your spoilers to yourself. Um, so I really like this one a lot. Um, I think of the Arthur DiBianca games I've played, this is one that I, I definitely want to continue with. It's one of the more approachable ones for sure. Um, I think, you know, if you're a newcomer to interactive fiction, or if you're the sort of person who typically doesn't think of themselves as much of a parser player, um, this one's going to be pretty approachable. Probably the number one thing that makes this an extremely approachable parser game as these types of games go, uh, even more so maybe than the very limited command set that it, that you're given um, that it uses in very cre- increasingly creative ways, is that this game, unlike any other parser game I've played, I think, it has a persistent on-screen map that's done in ASCII art. Um, so every it gives you like an 8x8 eight eight grid, just like a square on screen that's kind of partitioned off as a separate element of the of the screen i would recommend by the way downloading this and playing it in a uh, desktop parser like um, i played it in electrode and this aspect of it worked really well there it did not work when i tried to play it did not work very well at all when i tried to play it uh in froths on ipad and the web-based version um had slightly weird layout in i don't know whether that was just the size of browser window i was playing at or what but like this looks especially great to me playing it in the desktop lectrote um interpreter but it's basically like having a dual window setup within the the parser screen and it even has some cute commands you can type in to change what the ascii art background and like look of the map window within your screen is you can you know have it just be blank or you can have a little i don't know um squiggles made out of slash marks if you prefer to have a cool look to your window um which is very whimsical but uh this is clearly probably something that was very difficult to implement in this system so i give him big props for like a progressively disclosed auto mapping map system in a parser game never really seen it before at least not like this so really really cool um that said again like i started hitting walls in this and um eventually my brain turned off and so i never quite finished it i think of the games that i've played for the comp and haven't finished this is probably the number one on my list to go back to Mm -hmm. um but uh, I don't really have a good estimate of the length of this. Puzzle games are always hard to really figure that out. But um, I would say um, probably a couple of hours. Um, the game does not list a time on the comp page. Um, but that's just a guess based on how much of the map I had disclosed and how much of the walkthrough um, I can guess at how how much I've seen based on the length of the walkthrough and where I think I was in it. Um, so I would say probably a couple of hours would, would be for this one. So, uh, okay, again, 
highly recommend Arthur DeBianca's games. This one is probably one of the better entry points to his body of work. Um, and uh, and maybe a particular, maybe a pretty good intro to parser games generally. Um, but it, it did, despite being one of his easier games, I think it did kick my butt. I mean, you are in a baby brain mode. So like, give yourself a little grace. I think mm -hmm. I, I've seen pretty great reviews for this. I think folks are really enjoying it. And I think uh, someone said uh, a quote from something I read several years ago. So apologies, I don't have the source. But someone said like he writes um, puzzle games and whimsical games. And it's like a percentage thing. <laughs> like mm -hmm. like a yeah. Sage Sanct Sanctum Scramble is like 100% just puzzles. It's just like go in a room, do a puzzle, go in a room, do a puzzle. And then like Variety Box and um, Remarkable Egg, the Grandma with Linda games are a um, little heavier on the whimsy. Like the puzzle's like, always there, but the whimsy oops. is turned way I up. accidentally bumped the dial and it's all whimsy this time. Yeah, exactly. So this, this one is a little more straight down the middle. It's, I would say, maybe a little more towards puzzle than whimsy, like, you know, slightly, slightly left of center on that or whatever the axis is. But um it is it is whimsical in its way. If you take the time to go and converse with each of the robots you interact with, they are you know they all have pretty simple things to say, very RPG town kind of vibe to them. They all have like one line of dialogue to share with you, no matter how many times you talk to them. Um, but you know, hey, you're a robot too. Everybody's everybody's got problems. Um, so it's uh, uh, it's it's definitely whimsical, but it's definitely more uh, more towards the puzzle angle. I think. Yeah, it's. I think it's one of the highest rated ones he's had so far. Really? I'm I'm happy to hear that because I think it is probably, it's a very, very good game. Um, my preference would be for Remarkable Egg, which I thought was hysterical. Um, <laughs> but, you know, different strokes. Uh, it's also like people who like Arthur DiBianca play exactly. Arthur DiBianca. So like, you know what you're going for. So absolutely. absolutely. You know, I appreciate knowing what you're going to get. Um, and I find it funny that um, I'm, I'm, I'm beautifully shocked that you, you did this to yourself yet again. <laughs> I thought you were going to play this one, Laura. I thought I, you were going to play this one and that I was going to be able to just like, yes. And you through the conversation. I say, am oh, going to play this one, that, but I'm going to play it for the next episode. <laughs> ah, okay. Well, I'll, I'll eagerly await your thoughts. I'm glad that you're going to give it a shot. Yeah, and I it sounds like you enjoyed it even though it was I tough. did, I did, I did. And, I, and again, I, I plan to continue it. I've got my game saved. Um, definitely going back to it when I have some more time. And looking at the time, we are we are all out of time. So we're going to uh, leave it there and talk about some more IF Comp games soon. Just a reminder for folks who are planning to vote in the comp, uh, you just need to play five games or more. Uh, and you don't even have to complete them in order to be able to vote on them. You have to play uh, up to two hours, um, and at the two-hour mark, if you're still playing, you can come up with your score at that point, or you can stop really at any point and come up with a score according to the rules of the comp, so it's really up to you. Um, and uh, you can vote on as many games as you want, but you have to vote on five or more for your your uh, your votes to be counted. Uh, the comp is concluding on November fifteenth. I don't recall the exact time when the cutoff happens, but don't leave it to the last minute. It's like real voting, you know. Don't 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 do that to yourself mm. um, or your country. Um, but uh, but uh, I highly recommend that folks start tallying your your votes. Start thinking about things in advance. Maybe even put your votes in as you go so that you don't forget at the end. Um, and uh, 
this is a, a, a this is a great time for interactions with the show. We love to hear from people about what they're playing in the comp. With as many games as there are in every year of IF Comp, we can never touch even half of them. Um, usually, way less. And this year, in particular, we are struggling because I have been so absent because of baby times. Um, so. If you have suggestions for us about things that you think we should be covering in IF Comp, maybe you played something you thought was particularly cool or clever or interesting, um, let us know. This is an especially good time to let us know your thoughts about the games in this year's comp. We do plan at least one more episode on IF Comp 2022. Uh, you can drop us a line about that either on our website, www.theshortgame.net, where there's a contact form. You can find us on Twitter at underscore short game. Or, of course, the very best way is to become our patron on Patreon and join us on our Discord. We have uh, a conversation going about IF Comp right now. So, uh, and if you're interested in that, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash the short game and uh, support us. Even just a dollar a month will get you instant access to our Discord. Uh, and if you support at a higher level, the $5 level, I will send you some stickers. Short game stickers. They look great. Put them on your laptop or whatever. And you can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? On Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Shane, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at 8BitShane. And thanks once again for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.